Hi, I'm your host today, Kim Campbell. You're listening to Circus Voices, brought to you by Circus Talk, the international circus sector's inclusive and independent online platform. So welcome to Circus Voices. I'm your host, Kim Campbell, and I'm here today with Natano Fanana, co-founder and director of Casta Circus. This is the last in a series of podcasts we call Circus in Progress, where we follow the progress of one company working on a circus show. If you've been following along, you know that show was Amatanga, and we have some updates for you, don't we, Natano? Sure do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just start by asking a question, a um, couple questions. First, I'm, I'm ooh, birds in Australia. I'm sad to hear that... Um, Omatanga has been shelved due to fun- no funding coming through for it. Um, my question for you, I guess, is what alternatives do you have to keep it going, if any, do you intend to? Um, and then a bigger question is, is there something wrong with this model of funding art in Australia when a culturally relevant work like yours can't get produced? Uh, yeah. Um, mm, that's a juicy start, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, yeah, it's it's... It's a pity um, that Amatonga has, has has needed to be shelved for a moment, but I mean, I think what what we're we're good at in Australia in terms of being circus and independent circus artists is we know how to pivot and um, you know shift the goalposts. It's not the end of Amatanga. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I, I'm there's there's mixed emotions surrounding Amatanga and now uh, and our industry. You know. I guess one thing that is disappointing, and I'm just going to be upfront because mm-hmm. this is why we're here, is that we have an industry and even, let's just say, a world, the globe, that's talking about needing the need for cultural diversity. And on a micro level in the independent circus sector in Australia, that's resonated, that has continued that conversation, that, that, that want, you know, constant need for more diversity, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then when we come to the table with something like Amatanga, it just doesn't fit the mold for for those programmers and 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 game players that actually have the ability to book that show or invest in the show which for me Mm -hmm. is also indicative of an industry and i'm going to go there it's indicative of an industry that is happy to say and performatively performatively preach these uh these things about wanting more brown on stage but then when it really comes to it, they're not they're not brave enough to invest in it. And yeah. and I say that with confidence and with, with sorrow, because being in the industry for thirteen years, being one of the few brown people that that lead with my culture first, that informs my art, um, it's always just been an uphill battle. And more recently with the Black Lives Matter movement and all that, that has been really great in terms of shifting the conversation so that people have to look at themselves, look at their workplaces, look at the art, look at the industry, and then change their mindset and, in theory, invest in those things to change that conversation to a place where there are more of us on stage. I have to say that, well, this example of Amatanga has proved otherwise. And... um, yeah, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, where Amatanga sits now is that there's invest there's this interest from from other there's some festivals 
that okay. have a specific focus on culture. Yeah, so First Nations driven and led um, mm-hmm. festivals uh, want want Amatanga, which is great, and that is valuable. Yeah, um, it's it's just disappointing that that on that that we have to. It's almost like because we are a brown focused show, it has to sit only within the brown focused programming. Yes, that is disappointing. Yeah. You know, you know what pops out at me about that is that a lot of the leadership in higher up uh, positions in the circus industry are not brown and black, and so uh, they might not have checked their privilege. You know what I mean? And thought yeah. through that kind of situation and how important it is to have works like this, and yeah. because it doesn't fit their model, like as you say. It just it doesn't even get on their radar, and that's what's disappointing, you know. Well, that's right, yeah. Um, and and it, we're too small a company. I'm one of few people in in Australia to invest in a fight like this. To be honest, yeah. you know, we scream from the rafters enough, and enough at the end of the day, um, you have to make a decision to continue to work to be able to pay the bills to make ends meet. Otherwise, this is an investment in itself that really yeah. takes a lot of your time. I just hope that with the screaming that we did do and continue to do, that those people at the top really listen, like actually listen and go, okay, well, we hear you and we're going to make some steps because it's starting to get very frustrating for a lot of us over here anyway yeah. to, to, like what I said earlier, to hear that they, they're an ally and then, but they don't really do anything about it. I hope so. I um, hope that this podcast reaches some ears that have the opportunity to inquire and support you more. Um, mm. have, have you been asked to stop other works in progress before, or have you had to do that before? And if so, how do you switch gears? Did you get the chance to continue later, or is that something you plan to do now? Mm, it's something I plan to do now. So what I've what we've always done, you know, the posse that we have over here, family and otherwise of cultural people, people of culture that are artists, we've all... Um, we we haven't well in my case I haven't been asked to stop a work or been forced to stop a work due to outside factors. We just I just have I just scope out and and put my feelers out into the industry to see if it's appropriate or feels right to put it out time wise time wise. And if it if it doesn't, then I don't bother engaging it because I just know the history of this country. Mm. What I do now is you know, capitalizing on, on on this movement of the want of having more cultural relevant work, I, I guess I'm, I'm being more bold more recently and just going, okay, cool, I'm going to go there. Um, hence, Amatanga. I, I did think that that was a that was well timed, based on the conversations I was hearing in the industry and the world, and friends and family. You know, we we're like, this is time to show, share with the world our our sacred knowledge about our initiation practices on Matanga. Um, it does feel like time. Yeah. I mean, it really does culturally, mm. you know, it feels like more people are open to that message and understanding their, uh, their role, but I guess mm. it hasn't translated to maybe the higher up, uh, programmers in the art world. So, well, yeah. Yeah. can I ask you about your art team, your artistic team, um, mm. Mayu and Jonathan Cameron and Ella, uh, will they be working with you on their next show? How does this affect them, or have they moved on to other things? Uh, well, everyone's independently moved on to their own things, and they were always busy in their own right. Um, in terms of Amatanga, they will always be a fixed um, cast of the right. Amatanga. 
um, you know, we've, we've had only sporadic conversations after it all sort of fell apart. And when I say fell apart, just to for your listeners, how it fell apart was that we just didn't get the funding support that we th- were led to believe that we would receive based on everyone's like, this is an important work. You should put it out there, pitch it, pitch it to the industry, pitch it to internationals. And so when that eventually there was basically, there wasn't, there was only a handful of people that showed interest in terms of investment on a financial mm-hmm. level. It was very small, not enough for us to really take it to the next, ne- to, to the next level. And on top of that, um, some of the partnerships that we had were, it was revealed that they probably aren't in a, place to to help us take it to the next stage and we were working with them to assist them and educate them how to be that better partner on a cultural level Um, but that's going to take time and that's that's the other thing a lot of this falls back on us us to do this where these massive organizations with the resources and the funding it's ironic we're having to educate them Um, so that's where a lot of the time and energy is now being spent to build the infrastructure or the cultural infrastructure to safely create works like Amatanga. Mm. Yeah. What? Yeah, you go. Oh, um, so you pitched it around. Do you think a lot of, or, or any of the uh, lack of response might've had something to do with, or how much do you think it might've had to do with the fact that the whole world is in pandemic mode right now do you think that funding in general was cut or do you think that it was specifically because your work was not something that people could imagine on their stages mm, i'm gonna i'm gonna say both um the reality is cassis has we've never been really successful with funding we, we we're a company that creates works like we've got the we've got the skill set the the, the the quality of our of our like the techniques and in terms of the circus all that stuff is covered but what we do in terms of narratives and content and and and, um storylines that drive our work that's the one that's that's a challenging thing for some of um i guess the programmers they just you know we have you know we're very outlet out there with our culture being at the forefront of our work Right. And, and the rationale behind it, you know, we have a show about Jesse and Lockie's love for each other, two, two men. Um, right. And that's a contemporary circus show. And look, you know, we'd like to make shows that have a commercial viability and not, I, I'm not, I'm going to say these words, but I don't mean it. I just don't know what else to say, but you know, <laughs> a sell, a sellout work, you know, one where we just go, yeah. Hey, just for the fun of it, let's just make a show that really is, it's titillating. And, but that's not yeah. us. It's just right. not us as people. And I guess we could make coin, <laughs> but, um, you know, where does that leave us as artists and the responsibility as artists when we've got all these other important stories to tell? And who else is going to tell them? Exactly. That's a very good point, Natano. I'm glad that you're there to tell them. Um, I guess the good news is that you have been commissioned to do a show for a festival. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about what they offered you and what you decided to do? Yeah, so it was a pretty amazing, um, pretty amazing offer and opportunity. After following Amatanga, there was um, there was definitely disappointment on my end, and you know our cast and our creative team were all somewhat shattered. Mm. And um, and then out of this darkness <laughs> for a moment 
came um, the news. I, I won't say the festival yet because I'm not sure where we sit in terms of announcements. But um, a, a fairly major festival, the artistic director came to me and sat me down for coffee to give me the news that we weren't funded from all the pitches that we did, and um, which was kind, I guess, to be told in person. But what was also put on the table was an offer to commission a show um, of my choice. You know, they acknowledged the work we, I, we are doing and, and said it's, um, it's time to, to go there, to take that jump of, and be bold and, and commission a show that, of, of my choice. Um, and whether it was Amatanga or, or any, other, any other show, it was totally up to me. And so that was really great to be acknowledged on that level. Um, what I ended up doing was going back to Cassis and talking about this offer, and we decided to go down a different route. Um, now, Amatanga, in this instance, the place that we want to, to um, take uh, – oh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, in terms of um, – in terms of Amatanga, it it just didn't feel right. What I felt like I needed, wanted to do, and with this is with Jesse and Lockie, and then some of the other creative key players, is mm-hmm. that the world was hurting at the moment, and another way of um, healing in terms of is, is through through our art, right? And so, although Amatanga is definitely, you know, it's it's all very culturally relevant from. Another perspective is bringing joy through our culture, and that's something we I know well through the Pacific cultures of all the islands in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, we're known for our big laughs and and joys and and stuff like that. So um, I went to the drawing board, and there was another little show that I've had in the back burner in my little black book um, called Fear. Well, what formerly was called Fear Fear Night. So Fear Fear Night is a is a, like a it's a performance night where in the village or in your home, um, all the family, all the village put on items or performances just to, for each other. Oh, wow. And, um, and so I was also playing with the idea of, um, you know, that we have, we're somewhat very matri- matriarchal, you know, we all are led by our, our mums, our strong mums and our aunties. And so I liked that sort of, I wanted to really incorporate that because that is something that, we all do. I mean, our dads, yeah, they've got the big backhand, but when it comes to discipline, you just get need to, need, a, need a look from your mum and that's it. You know, you are, you you crumble. And so yes. I wanted to explore that. Um, and so we called this show called Auntie's Fear Fear Night, which is basically going to um, borrow from the traditional Fear Fear Night of all, over all these performances. Um, aunties, the component of the auntie group will be represented by one of our aunties literally sitting on stage with oh, the band nice. mm-hmm. and we have to play to her and impress her. Um, and then on top of that with the Cassis component is, is fused in. One of, a couple of the items will be, or majority of the items will be circus components, but fused with all the Pacific cultural dances. You know, I'm going to go back and grab my, the old sasas that we used to do as kids, which is... Um, mm-hmm those um, formation dances, oh I'll sit it down. Um, yeah. You know, I've always wanted to explore with Hawaii the, the hula because, you know, we've got the hula and hoops mm-hmm. um, and then we've got the old hula. I want to see what that look might look like with the fusion of those two art forms. Um, then we have the, uh, our Maori family here. So, um, yeah, 
I want I want I want some of the circus performance to be performed to some of these fierce voices that we have in the Pacifics in particular um, mm-hmm. our Maori family just it's not like they're trained singers it's just that they are born with these pipes and I want, yeah. I want them to be represented yeah that's great sounds um, like a strong concept have you identified the band and the artist yet Yes, so one of the so the music director we've got on is um, Papua New Guinean man um, Iri Leke Ingram, and so he's he's actually an Aria nominated artist, which is an um, Aria's is a uh, uh, an award for one of the top notch awards here for music in Australia, um, and he was nominated for his um, yeah for his music. He's he's a log drummer, a musician who yeah he's sort of. Uh, how do you explain it? He sort of brought our, our log drums to the to the world music platform amongst a you know a handful of other Pacific Islanders. Um, so he's one of the many leaders in that field. Um, percussion is a massive feature of Pacific Islanders, so I re- it was really necessary to have log drums. So basically, for your listeners, log drums are basically just massive logs that are hollowed out. Yeah. Um, and you play them on mass. Um, that will be actually we have in a few days time a gathering with Irie Lecker, um, sister girl Queenie Pelesa, who's a, a Samoan friend who we grew up together with in the arts, and she's she's going to be our link to the, the Pacific Island community here in Brisbane. So, okay. um, and she will help choreograph those pieces, and then of course Jessie and Lockie, who are the circus component. Great. So, and so creation seems like it's just about to begin any day now. And it, uh, actually, I lied. It was tomorrow. It's tomorrow we start. There we go. Ah, no. <laughs> I have good timing. Um, I know you can't tell me what festival. Can you tell me about when the festival will be? Yes. Uh, it'll be in September sometime this year. Okay. <laughs> Great. And now a message from Circus Talk. During this time of pandemic, We've unleashed a new feature in our events section that will help artists and companies to get paid for their work. With a basic free membership, you can list your live stream, your on-demand or live shows and events, and now you can sell tickets and collect pay-what-you-can donations via Circus Talk as well. You can even list your classes and workshops and collect the class fees directly through Circus Talk's PayPal ticketing. Circus Talk helps promote these shows and classes on social media too, for those who use this feature. This is a great tool to expand your audience beyond your own personal network and social media followers. So check it out. This past year at Circus, what what has surprised you the most about this try, very trying year of 2020 and it looks like 2021 now? Mm. Um, what surprised me slash disappointed me? I'm sorry about the choir of birds in the background. Um, <laughs> Um, what surprised and, and, and disappointed me is that we've lost amazing artists due to the pandemic and, and the situations. You know, some of our most talented um, acrobats have opted out of the arts. They're just, it's not sustainable. And, mm. you know, and it's great for the nursing industry or the other industries that they're going to. Um, it's, just, uh, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. Well, you did, you did say that you lost some acrobats. Yes. Um, yeah, that was a, that was definitely a big surprise. The other big surprise was um, the lack of support towards our arts industry here in Australia. Um, it was one of the first ones to get a massive, you know, 
cut and I mean we're used to the arts it's revered to a degree in Australia but it's look again I'm just going to go there if you're in with the Joneses then you're in you know you're you're supported like all the all the all the privileged and elite seem to be constantly looked after whereas the independent sector is just slaughtered and I just thought it was really irresponsible in this day and age just during this pandemic where the independent sector just wasn't I mean we're really lucky not because of the arts industry supporting us independents who are leaders in terms of um uh, exports in Australia like we really are out there creating the name for Australia with some of for our sure. works oh my gosh yes but it's these big the ones that are multi-funded they were refunded and the independent sector we all had to scramble and fight over for the coins and I just I thought that was really irresponsible um, and and as a result companies have gone under um uh, yeah, that was a massive surprise. I we're really lucky then in Australia that we have a thing called JobKeeper, which was basically the doll, uh-huh. and um, and that really kept us going. And we were lucky to um, use that JobKeeper to keep some of our artists that regularly work with Cassis um, mm-hmm. afloat. But if that wasn't the case, there was the a, a more reduced amount that you could have gotten in Australia. But that's really hard to live off. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the other surprise. And, um, another surprise was, uh, this is a, again, a very contentious thing for me to say, but, um, issue, sorry, but, um, I'm going to say it. We, sorry. we in Brisbane are losing our spaces, you know, due mm. to circumstances, but also due to a culture that I don't agree with that is starting to creep in to the circus world where it's more it's more one-sided as opposed to that collective mentality where we look after each other. So what I mean by that is we now have all of all the circus spaces that we have in Brisbane, one of them which is the, is the amazing Volcana ladies. They, they've mm-hmm. been keeping us going. They're really, where they can afford, they will just give us space to create because they understand their need. Yeah. Um, but they lost their space oh, no. to... Um, at the powerhouse which is so they had to move to another space which is great and again they they with that community and mentality they they share their space where they can but that's not it's with respect it's a reduction in in um uh in in terms of what we can do there so heights wise it's lower um yeah and it's still being built so it's getting there but it's going to take time so and also they have an obligation to look after their um, primary um, uh, people that they look after, the women. Mm-hmm. Um, Flipside Circus lost their space um, mm-hmm. due to the pandemic, and they had I to move quickly. Yeah, um, and so they were they were just basically ousted by the landlord, and Flipside Circus are now in a um, makeshift space. Not it, it's still in Brisbane, but that does that's not conducive to creating shows. They have an obligation to look after their classes, which is you know what they do. Um, so where the other arm was um, creating works for com- companies like Company Two or Cassis or Briefs and Hot Bread Honey and what have you, that's um, that's not possible at the moment until they build their their primary space, which is going to take a year or two. And then um, Circa have their space, and then 
they actually acquired the old Volcana space and it doesn't have, um, we aren't able to access the spaces like we, we could normally. So it's just, yeah, Very it's just that place. Is, yeah. You know, we, where we used to be that, that city where a lot of us smaller companies, we could just make shit happen because people looked after each other and were like, here, I've got this space, come over here, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's yeah. slowly dwindling. And unless you've got loads of money and you're a major, you can. But that's not us. Yeah. And do you, th- do you feel like you've gained any insight into how to survive in this industry based on this year? Because this is probably the toughest year because so many people are folding and so many artists are leaving and still you're standing and you're still thinking ahead and like what, what gives you that drive? I, I think pandemic, the, I think coronavirus has actually just named, named it a little bit. Mm, <laughs> I mean, for sure. prior to the pandemic. Exposed, exposed what was fragile to begin with. Exactly. Mm. Well, prior to the pandemic, we were, you know, you had to be resilient and resourceful. And so in many ways, um, we were equipped, us, a lot of us independents, to survive this this downtime. I, I've got to say, with respect to all of our fellow artists that suffered and, and those who, who fell ill or passed to the pandemic, my 2020 and during the pandemic was actually a really was a, was a good one for me. I, mm. I thrived on multi, multiple levels. The, uh, firstly, it, it forced me to return home and put my feet on the ground. So I'm back with some of my family and and being there during the time and realizing some of them in their older age need care so that was, was a real benefit to, to me and my family so i i spent That's most so of that year looking after my family which is great secondly um with the company yes we we did lose a lot of work but you know the beauty of being creative is is just that we were like okay cool we lost all the touring work but let's just create new shows, all the shows that we wanted to do, but mm-hmm. we we couldn't due to time. And when the world returns, if it ever does return, then there's there's a bunch of shows ready to go. Um, we formed great relationships and partnerships with some some bigger companies in Brisbane who we know of, but we don't have a relationship with, and and that's that was that's been really great and beneficial to Cassis. Um, more independently, I went on my own journey to look you know really delve into how do i get more culture on stage how do, we, how do we get more people of culture and and those voices represented properly so um i i got a churchill fellowship which is specifically for me to investigate that to travel around the world congratulations wow yeah thank you yeah so sounds like you've that. spent a lot of time thinking about it and I've heard mm. I've heard this message, a similar message from a lot of artists and even friends, you know, before that the slowdown has forced everyone to kind of like examine their own yeah. practices and find what's meaningful again mm. in spite of in spite of the you know, the trauma that it also comes with it, you know. So it's good to hear that there's a plus side to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's we're well, I find myself quite lucky and blessed in that sense. Um but also, you know, I think by character, I'm not one to sit around and be idle. I, I don't do that very well. Mm. So I um, and also, you know, a, a great opportunity arose where I was uh, was given a job, uh, a grown up job actually, for a Urine Boy Festival, which is a First Nations led and 
and driven uh, uh, arts festival. What makes you a grown-up job? Oh, well, I work for the city of Melbourne. <laughs> so oh, oh, um, yeah, it's a part, it's part-time at the moment. And uh, as of next month, I will go full-time to deliver the festival in May. But yeah, that's, that's been great because that's totally the line of, um, of like the, the neck, the, the, the arm, the neck, the arm of, um, the industry I really want to tackle, which is, you know, getting more first nations people on stage. And this is yeah. predominantly all, all of it is first nations. And so it's oh, that's been, great. And it's probably bring you a lot of connections as well to like that Absolutely. group. And yeah, that's mm. good. So, um, one more question before we wrap it up. I just wanted to ask you if there was fu- if funding were not a problem and you had all the time and rehearsal space and artists you need, what was the show you'd be working on right now? Oh, sorry. Can you repeat that question one more time? If there were no funding uh, or rehearsal space problems and you had all the artists and everything you needed, what would, what would be your show right now? Oh gosh, that's a good one. Oh, damn. <laughs> Oh, look, this, this, I hope this doesn't sound so doomsday, but I, I have been sort of excitedly playing with the idea of like, I just want to do one last big show because I just, you know, mm. what if the world just didn't return to the normality that we used to? And um, I would love to get all my mates up here. So all of these like Company Two and Briefs and the Honeys and and the collective of smaller like solo artists that live in Brisbane, and just do a massive variety night um, mm. to showcase that. I mean, that sounds I, fun. Why I don't talk about the interstate is just because we can't travel at the moment. <laughs> so yeah, um, still so, yeah. okay. Wow, okay, that is a dream. I think that would be a wonderful way to you know, bring out the pandemic times or to end the pandemic times by having that. Um, So I guess, I guess I'd like to ask if maybe we could meet one more time after your festival Mm -hmm. in September and discuss the direction that you feel Cassis is going in and your plans and hopes for 2021. Yeah. Yep. Totally. That's, that'll be exciting. Um, Hopefully we'll have something to talk about. Uh, I'm sure there will, there'll be a lot to talk about. Um, oh, I would offer to talk before that, but um, I don't know if that's going to be an interest of yours. It'll be pretty frantic the months leading up to September. Yeah, that's fine. I think it'll be fun to hear a recap of how everything went and how your auntie show goes. I think it's going to be really exciting, and I bet you I'll see that one on tour. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we'll bring it to you, Kim. <laughs> Please do, Natano. <laughs> bring it to me in Chicago. <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting with me today. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, let's talk soon. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs> they're, they're parrot. I just can't tell which ones. <laughs> decided to come out. I'm going to go see if there's another more quieter place.
Original podcast music is by Book Kennison. Please stay tuned for future series on this podcast and subscribe to Circus Voices wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.